Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. Time in each of our lives, an opportunity for us to remember what God's gift of <clears throat> joy is all about. Uh, sometimes in the world we think about what joy is all about and we think about parties and we think about excitement and we think about celebration. That's the essence of what joy is about. But the joy that comes in our hearts with Jesus Christ is a joy that's unlike anything else. It's something that never leaves us no matter where we are. No matter how difficult the times are, the trials, the joy is still there. In Christ, no one can ever take our joy away from us. The world seeks to, the world thinks they've established and been able to do that when they have tried to take from us what is ours. But that joy that Christ puts in our hearts is one that's always there. This past Friday, Karen and I had the chance to go over to, <clears throat> to Trinity Methodist Church over on 3rd Street and hear uh, the Philharmonic and their oratorial chorus uh, sing a portions of, the, of Handel's Messiah. Uh, I would, I'm not trying to sell that uh, job to you, but I tell you what, if you get a chance, go. Can't you hear? If you know the songs, you know, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That is the source of our joy. And to hear that... <laughs> To hear that belted out by that choir, it wasn't, wasn't much of a, it wasn't a huge choir, but it was a choir that sang with their hearts the message that's there. But I thought about that, and I thought, you know what? There are a lot of people that come to this show because it's part of the show. It's part of what we do. It's part of what we're about. If you and I aren't careful, the joy of Christmas can be lost on us by all the things that are around us. Uh, the difficulties that we face, the trials that are ours, all the activities that we do, all the things that are involving us. And so we have to ask ourselves a basic question, and that is, what is Christmas to me? What does it mean to me to be here this morning? Luke tells us, he tells us very simply in the passage that Ron shared with us just a minute ago, and the first thing that I know is that sentimentality brings some of us to Christmas. See what happens in your life. I remember the time that we spent with our kids growing up as they were growing up in our home. I remember Matt and the excitement that would be in his life and all the things that he got and all the blessings that were there and the way he would scream and whoop and yell. He shared that same kind of attitude with his son, Ash, and I can remember Ash doing the same thing. I remember Ann sneaking around the house knowing what everybody had for Christmas two months before anybody knew what they were getting for Christmas because she had been in every closet, she had been in every hidey hole that we had, and no matter where we put it, no matter what Karen did to try to hide it from Ann, if you're listening, Ann, you know this is the fact, but the case is she would find it. That was a part of I remember my dad's laugh. I remember my mother collecting the bows at Christmas. I'm looking around to see women. You know what she did? With the special paper, 
she saved that and then she got the iron out and folded it and saved it for next year. We've experienced the same kind of things with our family. We won't be able to be with them this year. We'll miss that opportunity of being with Henry and with Felix, <coughs> excuse me, and, and, and his sisters and his brother and the, and, the, and the whole relationship that we have as family, uh, that we won't be able to experience that. But I want you to know that should not be the basis of what Christmas is about. Too often that becomes the heart of who we are and what we are about. And we see in God's Word the message of what it means for us to understand that in the relationship we have with Him, that it is not about where we go or what we do or what we bring that makes the difference. It's easy for us to travel home to Christmas in our minds and forget what the purpose of the joy of Christmas is all about. Joseph and Mary traveled home for Christmas. That passage that Ron just shared with us is the truth of that. It's in Luke 2, 4. Look at it again. Luke 2, 4. So Joseph went up also from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with, his, with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. I think sentimentality has nothing to do with Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem. If you look over in Matthew's gospel, or excuse me, in Luke 2, 1, you'll see these words. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and then down to verse 3, and everyone went to his own town to register. That is the message of why Joseph and Mary ended up in Bethlehem and not in Nazareth because this was the plan that Caesar Augustus had for the world. And what we see in our minds is a picture. We talked about this in one of the Sunday schools that Karen and I were a part of this morning. I want you to tell me what your Christmas card looks like. Does it have Mary wearing a blue robe? Does she have a long white shawl? Is Joseph leading her on the donkey as she rides side saddle to Jerusalem. And then in the background, what do you see? You see the star shining over Bethlehem. And we have a hallmark moment of what Christmas is in our lives. You go to God's Word, you look in Luke's Gospel, and you'll see nothing about a white shawl. You'll see nothing about a blue robe. You'll see nothing about a donkey. The message that we hear is not the message that we think we know. Because in our lives, we picture what we want to about what Christmas should be. And the story that is there of the star shining, beautiful story, there's a problem. Most of you probably know what that problem is. When did the star shine? Probably about two years later. That's when the Magi went to Bethlehem. And where did they find Jesus? In a house. And Jesus now is no longer an infant. He is a child. There's a change that comes in our lives when we look at the truth of God's Word and we seek to imply that to our lives. Impart it. Make it a part of who we are. 
that we know the story of what Christmas is about, but then we ask ourselves why. Because what happens to me is I get caught up in all that other stuff. I think about my family, and Christmas is what, that's what Christmas is all about, right? Have you heard that? I think about the gifts that are given, but that's what Christmas is all about. Sentimentality can be overwhelming in our lives when we think we know the story, and yet we don't know the story because we fail to listen. We fail to listen to what God has in store for us. And that message of life, that message of salvation, is shown to us first in Bethlehem. That's one of the reasons, there are several reasons, that the candle that was lit today, the candle, the joy candle, sometimes called the Bethlehem candle, is a different color. I believe it's there because it represents the failings of who we are as human beings. And the reality of what it means for us to understand that failing and those problems that are ours. But what happened at Bethlehem was that God overrode all those failings. God overrode all those difficulties, all those failings that are in our lives. He said, here is the gift that I give you that lasts forever. Here's the gift that I give you that is a blessing to you because of the presence that's mine in you. And God shared that in such a way that he told the whole world, it's not about princes, it's not about kings, it's not about palaces, it's all about a baby born in a manger wrapped in strips of cloth. This is the gift. And I'm going to share that gift with the shepherds first. That these men would know, these lowly men would know that I love them and care for them. That is my hope, that is my salvation, that God looks at my life and recognizes that he loves even me. I'm able to do that because of what he did in Bethlehem. Don't be overcome by the sentimentality that the world would seek to exchange for the reality of the truth of God's word for us that we understand what that message is all about. That message is about God's gift of life and love. Don't be drawn here today for the candles or for the music or for the message because the message and the music and the candles can all become th things that are our focus when all along our focus should be on the gift that God has given us. His one and only Son. There was a plan there was a purpose, and sentimentality has nothing to do with anything in our faith relationship with Jesus Christ. But there's a second direction that we can head in our lives, a second way we can go, and that is that destiny draws us to Bethlehem. This has been about eight or nine years ago. We had a mops group. I don't know if you know what mops is. That's mothers of preschoolers and they had a cookie exchange day. My office was directly across the hallway from the kitchen. You know what those ladies did when they got there? They started baking cookies. I love cookies, all right? Uh, I love cookies. And I began to be hypersensitive. I could tell when the cookies were just about done. And then I, Melissa, was the one that was in charge of this. 
I can remember Melissa going in the office next to me. Actually, it was two offices away from me. And whispering to our minister of music, there you go, watch it. Edwin, Edwin, it's time to take pictures. And my ears went up and my stomach led me to the kitchen. It was not destiny that I should be there, but it was planned that I would be there. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what Bethlehem is all about. It's part of God's plan. It's part of God's design. It's part of God's purpose that we understand that this child came to this backwaters, no place, nothing kind of place, and in this location, he brought to us himself and showed to us the failings that are ours and the difficulties that we deal with and reminds us of the love that he has for us no matter who we are or how bad we think we are. God still loves us. I want you to listen to this, and I'm going to ask that you bear with me. Uh, I'm going to do something I don't do very often, but I'm going to read from Peterson's The Message, a passage of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to look at it in your Bible, I encourage you to do that, but I know that Nick has it on the screen. I want you to listen to the way that, that Peterson interprets what Paul is telling us. How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is. He is the Father of our Master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down the earth's foundation, he had us in mind, and settled on us as focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Christ Jesus. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted to be sure that he entered into the celebration of his lavish gift of living and giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are a free people, free of penalties, punishments chalked up by our many misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. The Father thought of everything, providing for the everything that we could possibly need, getting us in the planes, plans that he took uh, such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, that is Jesus. Everything in deepest heavens, everything on planet earth. All that to get to this last paragraph. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ, got our hopes up, he had an eye on us and had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. There's a message that God has for us in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. 
It is not coincidental that you're here today. It is not coincidental that I am here today. And it is not coincidental that God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son to die for you. And he seeks to have us understand that. And he tries to break through all those things that would keep us from understanding that. Those things that distract us, those things that divert our attention. And he seeks to remind us of God's never-ending love for us. Before the foundations of the world were formed, Jesus Christ knew each one of us in this room. And he loved us so much that he gave his son to die on Calvary's cross for our sins. That's what real love is all about. That's not about happenstance. That's all about God's destiny. Cana was a part of that. Galilee was a part of that. Bethlehem was a part of that. Calvary was a part of that. And we come to this time and place seeking to know God's purpose for us. My prayer would be in each of our lives that we would know that God loves us so much that he has given his one and only son to die on the cross for the sins that are ours. All my life, all your life is led to this point in time, 11.25 a.m., Central Standard Time, December the 17th, 2023. Think about that. Right now, God is telling each of us that he loves us, and he cares for us, and he wants us to know him personally. The world wants us to know what love is by loving ourselves making sure that we get what we want, what we desire. God wants us to know how much he loves us. And what he's done for us is he's demonstrated his love for us, that we might know and experience that love. Sentimentality draws some to Bethlehem. Destiny draws others. Majesty draws some people to Bethlehem. If you have your Bibles, open to Luke <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 30. This is what the angel told Mary about the baby she was going to be bearing. Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the, over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. God had much the same plan in sharing with Joseph the message. And the angel told Joseph in Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, verse 20, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home with your wife, as your wife because of what she's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you shall give him the name Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, because he will save his people from their sins. The wise men knew of the majesty of Jesus. Matthew 2, 2. What question did they ask? Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his, saw, saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. 
The message of what Christmas is about is seen in the majesty that's been experienced by people time and time again. That this person, this relationship is different than any others that we'll ever have. Because this person is God himself that we come to worship. This person is God who loves us. God incarnate that we, you and I, would understand that there can be someone who has experienced the same life things that we have. All the joys, all the heartaches, all the disappointments. And he looks at us and he loves for us and he cares for us. And there's one thing he wants from us. One thing that he asks. One thing that he invites. It's not silver or gold. It's not frankincense or myrrh. And by the way, the shepherds didn't bring any sheep. You don't see anything about that in God's Word. And there's sure no little drummer boy that's there. And nobody got left behind because all those guys wanted to see. We'll talk about that in just a second. But there's one thing he wants from us. He wants us to love him the same way that he loves us. That is what Christ is about. And that is the destiny that is ultimately available for each one of us who are in this room this morning. A lot of people tell us they love us. A lot of people say, I love you, and how glibly that comes out. When what God wants from us is a heart that is yielded to him. You want to show that you love somebody? You know what you do? It's not a matter of giving them your body. It's a matter of giving them your heart. And when you have that in your hands, then you understand what it means for somebody to love you so much that you've given yourself to them. God desires that kind of relationship from each one of us. And that's when we understand what real majesty is about. For God is worthy of our worship. God is worthy of that relationship that we are to have with him. You have a hymnal in front of you. If you want to, you don't have to. I think it'll probably, Nick, will it be up on the screen? If you turn to page 215 in your hymnals, I didn't do that. Forgive me. Nick, you don't need to find it. If you have a hymnal, if you want to see it, you'll know this. I'm not going to sing. You're okay. Majesty, worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom, authority flow from his throne unto his own, his anthem raise. So exalt. See, I love the fact that the writer of this song helps us along. If you don't know what it means to exalt something, it means to lift up the name of Jesus. Remember what happened with Simeon? We'll see him. He's coming up here pretty quickly. Remember what he did? When he received the child for that blessing. We're going to talk about that the Sunday after, after Christmas. You know what he did? He held him up high and he thanked God for the fulfillment of the promise that he had given him that had been fulfilled in this child of Bethlehem and who ultimately would give his life for us because of the love that he has for us and that we would understand that's what real love is about. That's what real life is about when somebody cares so much for us. And Jesus is the one who said this. No one has greater love than this, that he laid down his life for his brother. That's what real love is. That's what a real relationship is about. 
That's what real majesty is about when we recognize God's presence in such a way that we know it's more than sentimentality. We know that it's more than a matter of happenstance. It becomes a reality. Curiosity is also a way of some people coming to see Jesus and know him. After the angels told the shepherds about the significant event that was about to happen in Bethlehem, and I'm not talking about the angelic choir singing, uh, I think something happened that was beautiful. If you look in Luke 2.15, you'll see it. Luke 2.15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. There's a call for us to have that same desire and that same hope that we recognize what it means to know at this time, at this day, at this point in this worship service, God is calling each of us to follow him, to lay our lives in his hands and to trust him. Does that mean that everything is going to go perfectly from this point in time? Does that mean there's not going to be any more difficulties? There's not going to be any more trials, no health problems, no family problems, no work problems, no nothing. Everything is going to be perfect. No. What it means is God assures us, I'm with you. I'm here. I have invested my life, my life, I've invested my all in you because I love you and I care about you and I want you to know what it means to know me person to person. That's the nature of what it means to see that in our lives we can be just like those shepherds, that we can go and we can share that message. But we see that throughout God's Word in the New Testament. Do you remember what happened? I think it's a matter of us asking those questions. How do we know? Remember what Nicodemus said when Jesus talked to him about a man must be born again? What was the question that Nicodemus asked? How, I see it, Jody. Jody's over there quoting it to me. So it's, it's like, how can a man be born again? What am I supposed to do? Go in my mother's womb? That was, that was his question. Remember the woman at the well? What was her question? One thing. Jesus told her about the living water. What did she say? Where, where's that well? I want to go. I want some of that. That's some good stuff. I want to get some of that right now. When we think about God's Word, we see people all the time asking that question. Not everybody responds positively. What one thing must I do to inherit eternal life? That's what the rich young ruler asked. What did Jesus tell him? You go take everything you've got, you sell it, give it to the poor, then you come follow me. And what happened with that young man? He went away sad because he had much wealth. God calls us to take those opportunities that he provides us, and that is exactly what this is, an opportunity for each one of us to see and be reminded of God's love for us and of the desire that he has for us to know that he loves us and cares for us. When you're in that hospital with an ill one, someone sick, when you've got a niece that is in trouble and you don't know where to go, when you've got a job that's not working out the way that you think it should, when there are plans that you make that don't seem to never come to fruition, 
and you'll wonder, what, what's wrong? What's the problem with me? God calls us to remember he is in charge. And with each of those people that Jesus talked to, with each of those answers, he reminded them of the fact that he was in charge, that he was ruling, that he was reigning, and that he would be there with them. And so we see the end results. Look at Luke 2, 16 and following. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. That is the message of what we are supposed to be about. If you are a believer here this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that, that, the truth of God's word there is just as real for us today as it was for those shepherds. That they saw, they recognized what God had done and how he had fulfilled his promise in their lives and they responded to him. There's a question I have for each of us. How good are we at doing that? How much time do we take to share that message with people that we know don't know Jesus Christ? How many times, look on the map out here, you'll see, how many times have people who are a part of grace shared the good news of Jesus? The map's not going to stay up there forever. As a matter of fact, come January, it'll probably come down. Do we stop sharing our faith? Do we stop telling other people about Christ? The call that we are called to recognize in our lives is that there are just as many curious people who are out there right now as there were 2,000 years ago. On the table, I know that Simon was passing. If you came in and Simon saw you, he gave you one of these. You know what this is? This is a curiosity peeker. There are a lot of people that would never think about coming here on a Sunday morning. But you know what? Christmas Eve, 6 o'clock to 6.30, and you're saying, look at that, man. It's almost a quarter tail. Bob's been going for almost 25 minutes already. You come that night, all you'll hear is the good news. And we'll go home after we've sung and worshiped together the God who loves us. If you take one of these, you have an obligation. Can you figure it out? Give it out. If you take 10 of these, give them out. I'll be here. Would you join me? That's what the shepherds did. Did the angels, see, look at it. Go back and look. Did the angels tell them, go tell people about this? They knew what they were supposed to do. If we know what we're supposed to do, we ought to be doing it. Curiosity is ready to draw us to Bethlehem. One last thing we see, urgency draws some to Bethlehem. The shepherds couldn't help but tell the story about what Christ had done. Southern Baptist, did you hear? 175 years. We've been telling people about Jesus' love. Now, I would tell you, there have been times where we've shared the wrong message, where we talk about what church is supposed to be and how you're supposed to do things just like us and how you ought to live like us and dress like us and act like us. Uh, you know what? That doesn't work real well when you move to South Bend, Indiana, and you talk like Nick talks, all right? 
Because you know what? I talk just like Nick talks. And it's a strange thing. And people have a hard time understanding. But they understand what love is all about. And that's God's gift. We'll talk about that next Sunday. That's God's gift to us. That's what Christmas is all about. But there's an urgency that should be in our lives. We talked about the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father. You know what? If you have your Bibles, open to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Most of you probably know this passage by heart too. Same guy, same place, same time. He shares the same message. Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Who shall we send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. That's the urgency that Isaiah had. That's to be the urgency that each of us should demonstrate. That we recognize that the saving grace of Jesus Christ is a part of who we are. And we can't help but share it with someone else. Because of the change that has come in us. If you're here this morning and you don't really understand that, or you find it hard to believe, I can tell you what, there are a bunch of people that are sitting around you, maybe in front of you, maybe near you, who know that message. Ask somebody what it means to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior before you leave. If you're not sure what it means to be a disciple of Christ, just keep following him. But trust him and know that he is the son of God, the promised one. God with us. And in him, your life can be changed forever. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for your love for us and for the health and for the lives that you give us because those things are taken so quickly. I think about the brief time I've been here and I think about how many of the members of this congregation have gone on to be with you. Father, I thank you for them and I thank you for their testimonies, but you know what? The, those that are here right now, we still have that opportunity. It's just like Lazarus, the beggar. The brother said, you know what, to Jesus, send, send somebody, send somebody to tell us from the grave, we'll believe, we'll understand. Jesus explained it pretty simply. He said, no, that won't work. It's going to happen, but it still won't work because hearts are too hard. Father, I pray if someone has a hard heart this morning, and you begin with me, You'd help us, Father, to listen to you and know the love you have for us and to answer your call that we would respond in kind the same way you have responded to us and simply say, here I am, send me. Thank you, Father, for Jesus, for it's in his name we pray, amen. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, 
gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.